What's up, Funkers? We're back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are back with the Quorum Sales Leadership Team. <laughs> Old friend, Roosh Saroosh Sehun, came on Tripping Over the Barrel. He's been on other Digital Wildcatters podcasts. This is Old Hat, so we don't need to talk about Saroosh any more than we already have. Sounds good to about, me. This is about your boss lady. This is about Lindsay. Lindsay Herndon Goodjohn? Goodjohn. Yeah, Goodjohn. Goodjohn. It was a lot easier for me to just type out LHG. Uh, totally. Um, right? Yeah, so, I with an L. It's much easier. I agree. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, but ironically, I was in a fantasy baseball league forever. This sort of came from my college friends. And we referred to ourselves as the League of Handsome Gentlemen. So every time I think of LHG, you know, maybe now I'll think of you, but I always think about my Brandeis friends and the, the League of Handsome Gentlemen. Since I love that. That's, that's great. We are. So we're going we're gonna to get into this. Lindsay, you are the chief sales officer officially with Quorum, and you've been at the company for a while. So yeah. we'll, get in, we'll get into all that, but I want to know a little bit about your background, like who you are. I think that you're a, uh, um, a Texan, right? Uh, yep. Yep. A uh, 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 hook em. Go horns. <laughs> horns. But yeah, kind of give us a little bit about your background and then we'll talk about all the fun things, uh, quorum and life related, how to grow uh, a company into something that was medium sized to something that is now one of the largest and most successful energy technology companies, the future, some of the past, but want to get to know you a little bit. So who are you, Lindsay? I love it. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. So uh, who am I? Well, it might surprise you. I actually uh, grew up in San Diego, California. Um, so I have, okay. I have uh, two serious surfer brothers uh, and, you know, one younger sister. Uh, and then me, you know, now living in Texas and, and having a 20 plus year career in oil and gas. So uh, definitely could not have guessed my path uh, back then. So, yeah, I, I grew up there, saw a family there um, and I went to Texas. I went to Texas. That was my that was my road to uh, to, you know, to the whole state. And funny enough, you know, um, I, oh, I was a Spanish major. Uh, there's another ah, fun fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was a Spanish major and a bit of a, a, a bit of a gypsy when I was younger. So, um, you know, while at Texas, uh, this will just give you a glimpse into my personality. You know, you do study abroad programs, right? I was so excited about it. And uh, my parents are like, you know, cool, where are you going to go? Like London, Barcelona, you know, I'm like, no, I'm going to go to, to Merida, Venezuela. Oh, wow. <laughs> my mom's like, say what? <laughs> so, uh, so I went there and did, uh, did a semester there. Um, it was awesome. By the way, it was gorgeous and awesome. Um, and so finished at Texas and, you know, really wanted to, I don't know, just make money. I was just excited to, yeah. to make money. And, uh, I really wanted to buy a Tahoe. That was kind of my obsession at the time that drove my, my, you know, career progress. And I was very, very ambitious with a Spanish major. Um, so, so I interviewed with every consulting firm and, you know, everything you could think of. And, uh, I had a mutual friend who had joined, he was an engineer, who had joined with Quorum actually the year before. And he convinced me to interview. Um, and I don't know, they must have been drinking at the time or whatever, but I made it through the interview process with my with my solid Spanish major at a time where we were really only only hiring engineers because it was very early on in, uh, in Quorum's life. And so, yeah, I made it in and my mom was like, what are you thinking? Like, how are you going to figure this out? You know, <laughs> I was like, don't worry, mom, I got this. It's going to be fine. Uh, and the rest is history. So that's, that's a little bit about how I got here. So how many years at Quorum now for you? So I started in 2001 oh and, uh, and I started, I started in our support organization actually. Uh, so learned a lot about, uh, about, we just learned our customers, learned about customer experience. And it was, uh, it was actually, I'm so blessed that that's, that's where I got going, uh, moved into the consulting world where I did implementations for a handful of years. 
And then because my mom had told me repeatedly that, you know, my Spanish major, I was going to be homeless at some point in my life. I, uh, I went back, I had a, a bucket list item to get an MBA and I went back to Texas uh, to do that, left Quorum completely, went back, did the full-time program, um, took another job out of, out of there, went into management consulting actually. And um, I really missed I miss oil and gas. I miss the quorum community. Uh, I miss just getting my hands dirty, uh, you know, affecting how our customers do business every day. Right. It's just cool. And so I made my way back. And that was actually uh, when I started running sales for quorum in 2009. So, whoa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I just learned a lot about you. This is, <laughs> this is interesting. I mean, you said something that's well, you said a few things that stood out to me. But first of all, like it didn't take you long to become a Texan. Like you, you were in San Diego, you know, brah. And then <laughs> you ended up in Texas and you wanted a Tahoe. So you're like, okay, yeah. you officially became a Texan at that point yeah. in, time, in my yeah. mind. Then you went to business school, right? After the whole Venezuela craziness mm-hmm. and, you, and you worked, you came out and worked for the same company that you worked at. Like that's, yeah. you, don't, you don't often hear that maybe with a really big company. You hear that, yeah. but that's, that's kind of fascinating. Did you entertain working for other companies or did you kind of have your heart set like toward the end of your MBA? Like, I really want to go back there. Like I like, Oh the- no, trust me. You know, out of my MBA, I was like, you know, time to keep, keep going. I got to keep, keep learning new things, trying new things. Um, I competed for a job that I thought it was just one of the most sought after. And so for me, it was like, you know, I just want it because it's hard to get. And, uh, <laughs> And so when I got it, uh, it turns out that it, it actually, uh, it, so it was a, it was a management consulting firm and, uh, as luck would have it, you know, you, you guys know this 08, not the best year for, for oil and gas. Right. So while I joined, uh, their oil and gas practice, I quickly found myself, uh, I think I was working a project for like, you know, a, a China healthcare strategy, um, <laughs> which, which no offense to China, but I, I'm not, uh, not overly interested in, uh, wasn't, wasn't at the time. And it was a, a whole lot of PowerPoint about, about Chinese healthcare strategy. So, um, so what I learned from that experience actually, uh, stayed with me for, it's been so helpful and it's really around how to structure your communication how to really be thoughtful about your audience and the takeaways instead of focusing on what you want to say. Uh, and so that I think has, has really stayed with me and uh, my team can attest. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, kind of serious about presentation, <laughs> sloppy presentations. will uh, will 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 get choice words. So, um, but anyway, so I did that job for a year and I just, you know, at the time, as soon as, as soon as I started seeing some comeback in oil and gas, uh, my CEO at the time was like, Hey, Lindsay, if you ever want to come back, we got a job for you. And I was in Houston two weeks later and the rest is history. So, yeah. Go ahead, Roosh. I know you're dying to speak. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, 2009 to 2023, I mean, the first, <laughs> the first thing that like pops into my mind is, is maybe just share a little bit about how, uh, the role, the same role has changed and evolved and grown, uh, over the course of, of a, over a decade. The role being running sales here. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> Well, when I when I was asked to take over sales, it was from uh, our our COO slash chief commercial officer at the time, who was quickly stepping into the CEO role. And uh, sales, I mean, I thought he was insane. Sales was was you know four very very experienced oil and gas guys uh, with Palm Pilots who uh, were you know less than thrilled. <laughs> To meet, to meet their new sales manager at the time, uh, you know, it's, it was like we were the team was competing, you know, against competitors and against each other at the same time, and mm. uh, it was just a, a it's just you know old school old school sales. Um, but you know what, I learned so much from from those folks, and that was that feels like it feels like you know ten companies ago uh, from you know where we started and where we are now. I think that's the thing with. You know, I've been at Quorum for so long, but I've I've been in different roles with with literally what feels like different companies along the way. Um, with you know the things that have stayed consistent are the things that get me up every morning. It's it's 
people like Roosh, right, and and our customers. But the dynamics of what I face every day have changed so drastically that it's like, you know, keeps it fun. Yeah. So, sorry. Go ahead, Roosh. Yeah, I, I I think it's one of the things that that I admire about Lindsay. I mean, the role has changed over and over and over, and not just because we grew from 2009 to the first, you know, or, or to, to the PE acquisitions that have happened and learning how to work within a PE model, but but the company has grown, the product sets have grown, they've changed, even even the same products have gone to different sort of segments of the market or spaces within the market. I mean, the the, the role mm-hmm. has evolved so much the team is i don't know how many times bigger just in in headcount from from back then right from four or five people to north of of 50. Um, yeah yeah, i think uh, just curious uh you you work as hard today as you did back then and i don't know how you get all the things done that are that need to get done in a size company that we're at now versus back then so i don't know what are your what are some of your thoughts or or strategies or what you've learned uh, on how to maybe, maybe delegate or, or whatever sort of works for you? Like, why is this still running so well? <laughs> uh, well, I think, I think that, um, first of all, you know, I have you and you're stressed and whenever you're stressed, that means I'm like a little less stressed. So it's healthy. <laughs> it's win-win. Uh, no, I, uh, I think honestly, you know, you guys both know growing up in your career, right? It's, it's, every day is, is a strategy and prioritization, right? And so what you, what you see getting done are hopefully the most important things. What you don't see are the 200 things that don't get done, but it's really about, it's about prioritization and making sure that, you know, that we all retain the right focus every single day. Um, And that allows, that frees up time to knock down, you know, everything else. So I think, you know, I think it, it, everything from making sure you have the right team and you're looking at, you know, for me, um, every single opportunity, be it, you know, a new private equity sponsor or another quorum acquisition or merger. I mean, trust me, I, I look at the job and ask myself, like, do I have the do I have the skill set? Right. Can I do this? Because I love this company so much. You guys like this. This company is uh, my, my personal brand is so tied into the the brand of quorum at this point. I'm, I'm so proud of that. Right. That that like. If at some point I look up and say, you know what, I am not the right person, you know, for this next phase, like I'll be the first one to raise my hand because what matters more is that quorum carries carries on and that we continue to uh, to scale and and take care of our customers, right? Um, but I think the way I've been able to do it so far is by realizing first and foremost that it is not me. <laughs> uh, it is it is building the right team and the right balance of skill to where you know every iteration of our team Rush, is getting better and better and better, right? Because we're adding the skills that, that, you know, that we lack. And I think that's, that's the key. That's the key. And that's what makes it so fun. And from my standpoint, like candidly, I think it has, like, I think you guys have continued to upskill resources. Like we've done a little bit of recruiting Funk Futures with, with Quorum. And the thing that strikes me when we look at the Quorum portfolio of products is it's really hard to master everything. (laughs) So then how do you prioritize what you should become an expert at? Right. It's, and maybe you don't, maybe you just sort of have a surface level understanding of everything and sort of become that Eagle and look around and know where to bring in the right resources to help you. A question that I have about sort of the earlier days of quorum. So um, some of my background, you know, I started working at Bolo Mm-hmm. In late 2007. So I was selling upstream, you know, accounting land production software at around the time that Quorum was starting to kind of branch into that area. You were running sales, right? Mm-hmm. Or I guess a little bit later and before you were running sales. How were you guys able to transition from midstream centric, tips centric sales organization to then competing with the P2s, the Bolos, the Inertias, SAPs, and so on and so forth? and be competitive and eventually kind of went out uh, some of those upstream deals. Cause it's a different type of skill set, right? It's a different product. It's different buyers. It's different kinds of companies. I think upstream companies are generally a little bit more risk centric. Midstream companies are more risk averse. 
So I'm curious, like, how were you able to make that transition for your team to say, okay, now we also have this upstream thing and we're going to go take over land and we're going to go take over that ERP space? Yeah, no, and, and Rush, you should help me with this because, uh, you know, what's really funny, if you look at the history of, of what we now um, calling Heritage Quorum, right, because uh, the, the, the Quorum part of Quorum. So, you know, folks like me and Rush, uh, we grew up on kind of different sides of the house. The reality was that, uh, you know, the midstream solution set was all built around TIFFs. And our strategy has always been, you know, we have a core offering that was built in conjunction with with you know, really strong operators or processors as the case may be. And then we look, we look at those customers to help us drive out, like, where should we go next? What is the next biggest pain point that we can help solve? Right. Um, And so that is exactly how we ultimately built out the full midstream suite. It was almost in parallel that we had amazing talent, you know, like Saroosh that were on the upstream side of the house, working around land and looking at, you know, the need to get into, division orders. And then ultimately, you know, why wouldn't we tackle revenue if we're going to do that? And so I think, I think that what we wanted to do was provide the market uh, with a, a, a quorum version of purpose built, you know, oil and gas software that they contributed to, they being our customers. And that's, that's kind of, that's, that's how it all began. We really didn't start making acquisitions until we had, you know, pretty robust, comprehensive suites covering both midstream and upstream. And then we, we got a lot smarter about looking at things like how can we advance our tech stack? Certainly, you know, we can do it alone, but, but acquisitions are another really strong way uh, to get into, you know, native cloud software as an example, right? So, uh, so from there, we really started looking at, you know, buying versus building, but only where we, where we identified really strategic gaps in our, in our portfolio, right? or really strategic technology that we wanted to uh, acquire because we felt like that was uh, that was the future and, and the value that we needed to bring to the to the market. So that's that's my short story is it was, you know, when you were living in one of those two segments, midstream or upstream, it, it was almost like, you know, it was a company in and of itself. Right. Uh, and it, it took years for us to kind of for us to really bring it all together. And so Sarush and I, I mean, when did we meet actually, man, like 10 years after we both started or something? We might have actually <laughs> met for the first time in Australia. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, no, but I, I was going to just add a little bit of color, color to that because it applies back to, I think, the way the way you lead, Lens, And it's there, there's this atmosphere that still exists of, of enabling or, or having sort of a startup feel to each team yeah. that operates within Quorum, which means empowering everybody because we're nothing if we're not our people, right? We're nothing, right? And so empowering everybody to think for themselves and to raise their hand and say something when something is either not being thought of the right way or is not, you know, considering a customer or is not considering an opportunity. Right. And Lindsay, like Lindsay's the first to lead her entire team. And one of the things I've learned from her is, is, is like, don't take no for an answer when, when yes is the right one. Right. In general, like across, across any, you can apply that to almost any scenario, whether it's a, a sales deal or an internal struggle to kind of figure out what the right answer is on on how to handle any particular situation. But that that element of quorum, that startup that existed, exists within all of the acquisitions in these smaller companies that we've acquired and their people and their culture. That has there's an element of that that has to live forever in order to make sure that people feel empowered to speak up and create something that that is greater than the sum of the parts when you allow people to bring those perspectives to these conversations so like upstream was living back then in this startup environment where we were like okay who's the next customer what's the next you know what's where where do we drive value for land customers how do we take the next p2 customer whoever it was right and when they told us no like i had plenty of ships sail and tell us no and Lindsay's like no that's not a no that's a like you didn't you didn't tell them the right things. Let's go back and make sure they heard things B, C, and D. And like, sure enough, I remember. I mean, I won't I won't n- mention the 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 deal, but there was a massive land deal that we won in that way, where like the answer was no. They had already decided what they were doing, and it wasn't us. And and we put you know our best foot forward again and said, listen, we think you ought to listen to a few more things that we 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 really think you ought to consider before you truly go down this path that we don't think you want to go. Now, if I didn't believe that. Like I didn't have a sales right. bone in my body. I believed in in the message and the reason, <laughs> Me passion behind it. And so, like you, you've really instilled that culture within. I think both the sales team and honestly anybody that you kind of 
influence or mentor within within the custom within the quorum uh you called it the quorum community right i you know i think that this is something that i've seen and i've worked closely with jason webster for the last year we'll we'll get to him in a minute but i actually don't think that most of the people that i've met in sales at quorum are particularly salesy I think that you, you guys have a way of vetting out and hiring certain types of people that are probably a little bit more consultative, which would make sense, like going back to sort of a startup centric environment where you're letting your customers drive some of the innovation and technology deliverables. Um, and, and Alcerna, right? So Alcerna was was a big one and, and maybe even in some ways like a turning point for Quorum as an organization you added a lot of revenue, you added a lot of staff, you added products that were more um, technically and economics oriented than the traditional kind of ERP systems that you had. And you inherited a number of different cultures, Canadian, whatever, that were rolled into one with Wayne Sim and, and that whole crew. So how are you able to, what looks like from the outside, fairly seamlessly integrate a very large acquisition of technology companies mm-hmm. into what was already a big technology company. Like I, I'm, I really wanted to ask you this because I, I'm at a loss for understanding how you can do that while still maintaining business at the same time. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a great question. And obviously when we were looking ahead at that merger, it's all, it's all any of us uh, thought about, right. But uh, we, and you mentioned it, you mentioned the cultures, but I mean, we, when we when we merged with Acerna, we we got a, a full global business, right? Quorum was a North American company with some opportunistic growth elsewhere. I mean, we we got a global uh, business with every with every challenge that comes with that. Um, you know what I would say is a big part of it is there was tremendous mutual respect between Quorum and Acerna. So uh, we were you know we really didn't have a ton of overlap. There's maybe a couple modules where we uh, where we would have competed, right? Uh, one of them we actually had to divest uh, as as part of that deal. Sure. But in general, um, you know, in general, what we found pretty early on um, was that we had we had a ton in common about um, just how we how we take care of our customers. First of all, who our customers were, right? Like we have so much overlap that it our customers. Um, we're not, you know, they, they were going to push us to, to ensure that we were, that we were tightly integrated as soon as physically possible. They, they rightfully expected that of us. And that was the, I think, added motivation for us to, uh, to really rip the bandaid off and figure out, you know, all right, we think, we think a lot of like, yes, different skill sets. Um, and, you know, we had to very quickly realize that, you know, while while certainly enablement of of our teams was important, so that we could we could again take care of a customer who has both sides of the portfolio, um, we were not going to have our entire sales team, you know, able to speak to and demonstrate every single product sure. that we now had. Right? It, had we had we spent time and and all of our investment in that, it would have taken us so much longer. I think um, instead what we, uh, you know, what we invested in was really our going straight to the customer and saying, okay, we now have these two portfolios with you. We are immediately going to focus on where, where is their value in things like where's their value in integration, right? Where's there, where are there certain modules that fit perfectly in with the quorum suite? Um, I have to give a shout out to Sarush and, and guys like, uh, like Michael Fodderetti too here, um, you know, their leadership, like they, they did not wait <laughs> for an instruction. It was like, Hey, we have two teams in the U S that's dumb. We need one team. Let's go. Like, let's go one team. And we're going to immediately meet as a team, talk about our customers as a team. And like, I think that just sort of naturally, uh, created this situation where, you know, we now have a fully integrated U.S. team that's capable of selling everything under the under the portfolio, and more importantly, capable of taking care of a customer that has everything in the portfolio, right? So um, that's you know that was that was them, and we have you know a solution architect team that I can't speak highly enough about that you know they just immediately jumped on enablement for the global uh, sales services customer support teams like. Our our crew is just awesome, Jeremy. Like people, just the initiative um, on with a challenge like that ahead is 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 off the charts, and so thankful for it. 
Nice. Not easy though. Not easy. <laughs> no, no, I, I can only imagine. And you know, th- this is a question I had Chris Dinkler, um, with Chase Nall, a couple of various guys on here, not that long ago, Chris was kind of an early career mentor of mine. Great, great sales guy. And I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you too. It's like, how do you deal with the pressure of your job and, and actually take time to disconnect without just thinking about this massive revenue number that's over your head at all times? Sorry to remind you in the middle of a podcast where you're probably not thinking about that, but anyways, or maybe that's Roosh's problem too. But, but nonetheless, like that's hard, right? I, I run a small consulting company and I still think all the time about revenue. It's definitely just a you know fraction of a percentage point of what you have to think about. Yeah. How are you able to unplug and de-stress every once in a while? Or do you just not? <laughs> no, I, you know what? First of all, uh, I love Chris. Chris and I are friends and uh, they're, you know, obviously we, we do a lot. We're, we're good partners with, with Inveris. So um, that's super cool that he was on as well. I think, um, no, I, I definitely, you know, you gotta, you gotta know your limit where you are about to start performing lower than you should because you're just you're just maxed out, right? And and I think you know that's just an important thing, uh, an important self awareness item for everyone to have in their career uh, because you will be so much more effective if you just step away and and take a pause. Um, for me, like honestly, my my husband makes fun of me. Like I sleep like a like a teenager. Like I'm just not the kind of <laughs> person that like I know see everybody hates it um no I mean I I love what I do I love what I do and like yes it's it's stressful right and um and it's and it's hard and it's I mean sometimes I have to pinch myself on just how how big it is versus versus where you know where we were even a couple years ago uh in terms of the the numbers that we're that we're going for the number of customers that we take care of right um but at the end of the day it's fun and we do it. We keep doing it, right? We keep raising. It. And I think you know, when you have the right team, uh, you can breathe and you can sleep at night. We're not going to get it all right. Uh, we're not going to make every quarter. We're not, you know, and and you know, we're we're going to get things wrong. But at the end of the day, our industry, um, first of all, is 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 just freaking awesome. It's it's the kind of place where you know, when you when you operate with integrity and you do what you say you're going to do, um, you know. We, we keep going together. Like th- good things happen. Uh, and so I think, I don't know, it's a stupid answer, but do I unplug? Yes, of course. Sometimes I go, you know, rolling down a hill on, on, you know, I go snowboarding and go as fast as I can, but, uh, there, there are like times that I need to just do something aggressive, but like, but no, in general, uh, in general, it, it is stressful, but it's not, it's not overwhelming. If I'm being okay, honest. but this is ridiculous. Lindsay does, does not sleep during the week. Like, I, I don't care who might take offense <laughs> to this uh, at, at Quorum. There's not a harder working individual in the company, period. I'm sorry, whoever thinks maybe we can, we can go back to the days of Quaist when everyone put their hours in and we, we ran queries at the end of the year to figure out. Wow. Uh, who actually who actually had the most hours but but Lindsay like does not sleep during the week that's a fact you know she's getting up before him now she has a global team right so she's got to wake up earlier to work with some of the folks but she's always kind of done that maybe she catches up on the weekends Brian can attest to yeah. that but she like I think also uh she, like, she takes the least amount of time off but when she does you should talk a little bit about maybe uh <laughs> sailing adventures and or snowboarding adventures which like I've been snowboarding enough times with Lindsay to know that you don't want to follow in her tracks. Like I try and follow <laughs> in her tracks in my career, but snowboarding is a, a bad uh, way to live because you might not live for very long. Okay, I'll let you add color. So dramatic. You hit one tree. So dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the only one. Yeah, I hit one tree uh, first, followed no, by like, I, Yeah. No, the, the, that is one thing, Jeremy. I will say the, the global role, like with the with the Acerna and the energy components, like, whew, I'm I'm the kind of person that like, you know, 
I want to be prepared for what's coming at me, right? So I really enjoy getting up very early, uh, freakishly early, and it allows me to like be ready to fire on that 7:30 or 8 a.m. you know call. And so when you got you know when you got Europe and Asia going on, like there is no two-hour window where nobody's working. You know it doesn't exist anymore. So I had to put myself in check there. I I literally would would uh, would not sleep during the week. But um, yeah, no. So on on what do I do when I take breaks? Uh, so my husband and I are, we have this, this goal where, uh, when we, when we stop working as much as we currently do, uh, we want to get a sailboat, like mm-hmm. a live aboard, uh, awesome sailboat and, and just basically sail the world. Nice. Um, and, uh, and so we did a trial run, uh, on said sailboat in Greece, which was, oh, uh, man. which was unreal. And, uh, we did one in the Florida Keys. So Yeah. That sounds like fun. It's amazing. Sounds terrifying to me. Yeah. Lindsay, I really support this dream. Can you just stay where you can see the shore? I'm like, what? (laughs) What would be fun about that? Right. Got got some white Lotus vibes. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I just started that. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's entertaining for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. I want to play a little bit of rapid fire. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about other stuff. I didn't prepare you for this, but we're going to do it anyway. I am going to say a person's name and you are going to have to say the first word that comes to mind. Oh, geez. Okay. Bill Lane. (laughs) Kids. (laughs) He has like a million of them. That's the first thing that came to mind. Kids. Yeah. How about you, Roosh? Oh, I'm playing too. Oh, you're both playing. Rice energy. Whoa. Okay, I don't have to right. explain, right? Oh yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No, we we actually talked about that one. That's a that was a good one for sure. You guys were all over there. Um, Marsha Vihal, badass. Vegas. Nice. Musab uh, Raza. Bruce, you got to go first. I just met the guy. <laughs> I got three words. Four words. Don't fuck with him. <laughs> For real. <laughs> okay, now I'm excited to really get to know him. Sleep doctor, I like to call him. He'll put you to sleep. Not in the way that you want to be put to sleep. Um, Jason Webster. I mean, Le- Jason Webster is like synonymous with land. 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 <laughs> yeah, for me, it's. For me, it's Quorum. Yeah, yeah. He's just Mr. Quorum, right? I mean, he's, he was my path to Quorum. Maybe friend is probably another great word. Friend is the next one. Yeah, Jason's a phenomenal guy. Texas football. <laughs> uh, well, okay. First thing that came to mind for me was Vince Young because right, I went to the championship game. I was there. It was amazing. Yes. That was the best game ever. It was the best game ever. It was just Honestly. really long. It was a really long time ago. <laughs> so was that. So 2006 yeah, fr- or something. Frustrating. Ah, <laughs> nice. Smoking nice. like a true Austinite. Yeah. And final one, Gene Austin. Oh, legend. Yeah, I love that guy. Uh, <laughs> love? That's usually your word, right, Sarush? Yeah, okay. Yeah, love. <laughs> all right i won't put you guys on the hot seat anymore but that was fun um so i want to talk about the future a little bit with quorum because things have changed so much like i can actually still picture where i was when i read about silver lake the number 310 comes to mind reading an article i think it came up on linkedin i was at the different house that i'm at now and thinking whoa these guys are getting pretty big like somebody just invested a lot of money in them and obviously it's grown significantly since um, with all of the Toma Bravo and private equity acquisitions that you have. I'm curious about where you go. You've consolidated much of the space that is logical for where Quorum has played and where Quorum is going. Really everything outside of like data and invoicing, like as I see it, you guys play almost everywhere. And, and I saw recently there was like a peep acquisition, which furthers you into the engineering and forecasting world. Mm-hmm. 
So what happens next? Like, is it carbon capture accounting? Is it um, ESG related tech? Is it geothermal related? I mean, so where do you go? Like, of course, you're going to go deeper and continue to take the market further where you exist today. But as you think about this energy transition or whatever that means, and Quorum is going to look for additional opportunities, what does that mean for the future? Like, what does your company look like in five or 10 years? Yeah, I'll start, Rush, and then you should give your perspectives too. I mean, I think, uh, I think first of all, what I love about the way that we have built what we are now is that we did not hire a bunch of engineers and put them in a in a closet and say, okay, build build a land system, build an accounting system, right? Oh, now we need a pipeline system. Go. Uh, that uh, companies do, uh, you know, tech companies uh, do try to to go that way. Uh, man, it's uh, it's a lot easier when you actually engage the customers to to help you with the evolution of where you're going, right? Uh, it's um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't matter what you think something should do. What matters is like, are you solving a problem for for your customer every day? So I think we've learned uh, through that that. Uh, there's, you know, I would be I would be silly to to even guess exactly what we're going to look like in five years because we uh, I could have never guessed where we would be right now, you know. Um, but I, I will say, Jeremy, I think I think that you know we have kind of two tracks that we are very uh, very focused on. One is innovating in the space where we currently live. So we do not view these solutions as as static or the market as static, right? So. Uh, and that's a big job, like continuing to push innovation uh, where we currently cover is a huge job. Uh, that said, we know that we need to be uh, ahead of the game and, and you know, we need to be a leader in the energy transition. And so that's been a, a huge focus for us, as you can imagine, especially as we look at the, the global business. I think one of, you know, in the short term over the next couple of years, I think you're going to see us very, very incredibly strong in LNG. Um, we, we believe, you know, as a company that, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about clean energy and what the world needs right now, it's like the world needs, uh, the world needs to, to, to make use of the amazing phenomenal resources, natural gas resources that we have. Right. And, and we're, we're working with the largest, you know, customers in, in the U S there. And we have, uh, the, the, uh, LNG solution and energy components and, and we're out there you know, talking globally about how we can help with this, with this challenge. So I think you'll see a lot of that over the next couple of years, but at the same time, like there's no question that, you know, the emissions management, carbon capture, like we're going to see that become table stakes, right? There's going to be very mature uh, processes and measurement and standards and solutions around that. uh, And you're going to see Corm's brand all over that. No question. Yeah. uh, uh well said. I mean, the only the only thing I think I would add to that is is you know we back to the sort of the mentality of being a startup and and always sort of innovating and thinking about what other opportunities are out there. You know, we've we've uh, we were the first to really kind of work within the renewable space. If you mm-hmm. think about the wind and solar companies, mm-hmm. it's been over a decade of of partnering with a few of those um, those customers to to build out take some of the solutions that we have already and build out functionalities uh, functionality specific for the the renewable space really around again around ERP and, and land management in particular uh, so again there's there's a space for that and an evolution and innovation that's that's still required to continue to evolve I think that offering as well yeah this, this is th- those are great answers and and I am curious like I'm gonna go to connections again this year at a blast last time it's not really hard to it's in Vegas. So if you get bored in any of the sessions, you can just go to the uh, craps tables and see some of your friends hanging out there. Yes. But I had a really fun time and I actually learned a bunch in the sessions that I went to. I thought you guys incorporated thought leadership nicely without it just being, and this is so annoying, but like a commercial for what Quorum is doing. Right. Because that just turned, I mean, me, you know, I want to hear what you're doing, but if it's just like, wow, look at all these great things we've done. That's not what people want to hear. Like you also want to hear where things went wrong, right. Where things could be better and where the company is going. And I thought there was a good balance with it being in Vegas of the social and the educational aspect. And, and culturally I was impressed um, with what you guys have going on. So definitely looking forward to go any connections would definitely advise any of the people that use any of the applications within Quorum to go to that event. It's a fun one. Yes. And 
this is just fun for me too, because you guys are sales guys. So I can ask you any question and you're going to have answers. So <laughs> one that I want to ask, and I'm not sure if you guys have thought through this, but is there like a specific sales presentation or sales meeting that you guys just bombed terribly that stands out in the history of your time at Quorum together? And if that's too much on the spot, you don't have to answer it. But generally speaking, like I have some that come to mind for me. And I'm just curious if you guys. So you went in a very interesting order in bringing up connections, which I'm so glad you're coming again uh, and straight into, you know, bombing a sales presentation. So (laughs) I have a story on this actually. Sarush and I are like relatively like well-behaved, I guess, uh, in general. I don't know that together we've, we've, we have any super embarrassing, funny stories, but, um, but man, connections, I'm not going to call uh, the individuals out, but they are absolutely still with Quorum and two of my favorites. Uh, so so we have, you know, connections is like for the Quorum employees, it, it is about endurance, right? Endurance <laughs> and, uh, and your alcohol tolerance. Like those are the two most important criteria sure. for getting an invitation to connections. Um, because at the end of the day, the customer sessions are the utmost, like that is the priority. That's why we're there, Right. But you, you can't you can't eliminate the rest. So uh, the customers also want to party, right? So you got to be you, customer service is both sides. You just can't you can't help it. So uh, there was a session. Uh, I want to say it was a division order session, and there was a literal tap out. Meaning uh, the main presenter was going, realized that he was about to throw up, uh, <laughs> kind of gave the gave the very professional nod uh, to his co presenter, exited, took care of business. And then came back in and continued to present. And it, I mean, this is probably 15 years ago, but it is to this day the most legendary connection story of, of all time. Uh, we have since, of course, told all of the customers that were present what happened because it's hilarious. Right. But at the time, like, they completely pulled it off, which is astonishing. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hopefully you're listening to this. Have a good time, but don't do it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like you know one of my friends at at Bolo had a very similar story where it's like, hey, listen, um, Amanda's too hungover; she can't present today, so you're gonna do it. It's like, what about me? Maybe I'm too hungover too. So I didn't think I was presenting, so I drank more than Amanda did last night. Right. Nope, you um, always have to be ready. You have to be ready for that that tap on the shoulder. Yeah, hundred percent. And last question, I wanted to ask both of you, Sarush. I want you to dive into this too, like. What advice would you give to either your younger self in your career or some of the younger employees that come into your organization early to mid 20s? Um, anything that kind of comes to mind on what you would go back in time and sit down with yourself and your, you know, whatever, early to mid 40s self, or what you would tell to somebody that's new coming into the industry or your organization that might help them exponentially? Uh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I got, I have kids, so I feel like, you know, my oldest is 14, uh, and, and a 12 and a five-year-old. And I feel like I'm starting to realize like what I tell them right now matters more than it did three, four five years ago. And, totally. and like, I really want them to grasp some of the things that I'm saying. I don't know that they listen to me at all, but so sometimes I, I tell other dads to tell my kids the things because they'll <laughs> listen to the same things yeah. from them more than <laughs> for me. Uh, but yeah, no, I think there's, there's a couple things that come to mind. Uh, the first is really sort of a Gene Austin thing, which I, I think I, I, for myself, like I try and, 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 uh, adhere to every day, which is just simply do what you say you're going to do. Right. Like I went to lunch yesterday with somebody and I told them that, that I was going to send out a note when I got back from lunch and connect people. And it was about five 30 and I had to run to go to practice with the kids. And I realized I hadn't sent it yet. And I was like, well, we're going to be late for practice because I'm going to go send this email. Cause I said, I was going to send it. And if I don't do it now, then it won't happen. Right. So like, that's just a very basic example of the, the power behind your word. If you say you're going to do something and you, and you do it and you hold yourself accountable first and foremost, like you are setting that standard for yourself. And then people learn to trust and rely on you uh, in, in return as well. So great answer. Um, yeah, that's one. The other, the other one is like, man, just outwork everybody. Like, just outwork everybody. Like your competition, your peers. Like in a healthy way, right? Like, don't don't let your your effort be in the way of your own success, your company success, your reputation, and your legacy. Like, just outwork everybody. I think those two things for me are 
I can't fathom, you know, not, again, I didn't have a sales bone in my body, but I am super competitive. And what I realized, one of the things that I love about sales is not convincing a customer to do something they're not sure about, but it's, it's once you know, you're driving value for the customer, if it's competitive, like I want to be, you want to win. Yeah. You want to win. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. So, okay. I'll stop. Solutions, uh, passion and energy is, is contagious by the way. Uh, it's, it's so awesome for our, for our whole team. Uh, yeah. So for me, you know, talking to my, my 20 year old, my younger self, um, I think what I would say is, uh, to have confidence that you will be very successful by being exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds really cheesy, but what I mean by that is, you know, as someone who I, I join an industry, I don't know with a background that really should not have let me in the door. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's very easy, you know, and I did, I spent two years, you know, being so uh, nervous because I wanted to be like, the other people in the room, right? Like I yeah. wanted to code as well as our, as our freaking, you know, electrical engineers. And I wanted to know oil and gas as well as our customers. And I, I just felt, I felt like I couldn't be myself until I, until, 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 right. Yeah. And what I realized the second I got on my first customer engagement, um, you know, in person, I can't help but be myself. Like I don't really have a filter or uh, any sort of off switch. I just am who I am. And, uh, and what I realized was, you know, my natural curiosity um, and, and the people skills, uh, you know, I was I was learning so much about the business by just asking questions. And all of a sudden I was getting invited to more and more senior meetings with customers. And all of a sudden I'm selling out on deals without even, you know, I didn't mean to. And, and what I realized is that, you know, the best teams are made up of people who are aware of their core competency, not people who are trying to have all the core competencies, right? Um, those are the best teams. And I wish I knew that earlier because, you know, I would have had a two-year leg up on everybody else. Mm-hmm. I lagged for two years. I mean, this this all speaks to me, and, and I'll, I'll add into this a little bit more. It, really, three words come to mind from the two answers. Saroosh, uh, accountability, right? And Lindsay, two words. Um, authenticity and curiosity. I think it took me like 10 or 11 years into my career to truly be myself. Yeah. Like I, I really wanted to, to impress everybody and be all things to all people and not show any weakness whatsoever. And, and it didn't really click for me until it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? Like maybe I don't know the answer and that's okay because people yeah. don't expect me to know the answer every single time. And people yeah. don't expect me to be perfect. Like I'm going to make mistakes. I'm trying to be perfect, but I'm a flawed individual. We all are. Yeah. So, but it took years and years and years to learn that. So that, that does really stick out to me to, to be curious and, and to be authentically you because that will be enough. And maybe it's not going to be enough in your current role, but you'll find the right position or the right company where it will be enough. And my final thought with this is like, I'm going to be authentic in saying this. Like, I wish I worked with you guys, honestly. Like I I think that, that having met the two of you and spent some time and been at your user conferences, I spent so many years trying to find the right employer. And I went through all these interview processes with, with companies like P2 and just like never really found the fit. And it was actually right there. Like there would have been like a natural marriage with my skills and my yeah. work ethic and the way that Quorum does things. So it's been really cool for me in a different way to be able to provide value with you guys on the recruiting side, to be able to spend time at user conferences, seeing one of my closest friends in the industry, Marsha, settle into the role, right? Seeing people like Tom and Musab exceed. Um, and it's just awesome. Like, I do think you guys have a really good thing going and Quorum's not perfect. The products aren't perfect, but you guys definitely have an understanding of where you're strong. And I think where you are weaker, there is a desire to be better. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's all you can really look for because nobody likes their ERP vendor. Everybody seems to hate their (laughs) accounting vendor. It doesn't matter who. So they can say, Oh, I hear Quorum's failing in this and P2 is failing in this. Accountants are never happy, right? Like that's just the deal, right? So accepting that and finding what can make them at least like moderately happy and referenceable is probably a good thing. So kudos to you guys. And 
Um, really enjoyed this time. Any final thoughts you want to throw out there? A uh, shout out to Connections or Nate Booth. What, what do you got? I'm going to, I'm going to shout out one thing. Cause, cause you're, you know, this topic of accountants are never happy. I literally got a quote from our, <laughs> you know, we have CSAT surveys that are constantly out there in the wild for customers to respond to. And, and there was one today that was from an accountant, one of our customers that was just thrilled with the level of service from our team. And so my, my shout out uh, is really around this, this, uh, this support team around our on-demand products in particular, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, t- I'm going to, I'm going to copy and paste it and email it to you, Jeremy, so you can read a happy yeah. accountant quote, yeah. um, but, but they do exist. And again, the reason it exists is because of a relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and people treating people as people and, and wanting to serve each other, et cetera. But my other, my other quick thought uh, is that we each have a responsibility. Like it's one thing for us to pass on to children, you know, in our own families, like some of these things, but it's another, like we have a direct influence on people that work with us every day in our teams. Mm -hmm. And like these lessons are so important, right? Everybody's sort of like, I was super insecure for the first 10 years of my, you know, imposter syndrome career. Like that, that environment doesn't have to exist. And it's leaders within organizations that ensure that it doesn't exist by, by every, but he's sort of getting that that sense of empowerment and and comfortability with themselves, right? So that they can be themselves in their in the role they're fulfilling. Sorry, done. No, I love that, uh, Jeremy. I just wanted to thank you. I mean that uh, the team, like you, you nailed it. I think, and you are such a great cultural fit that now, like when you give us a recommendation on a person, it's like, oh, bring them in. Let's go. Uh, so thank you for for that. And uh, but no, I the biggest compliment I've ever received at Connections had nothing to do with this session. It was uh, it was a customer saying, "Man, I look at how you guys like the quorum team." interacts and I want, I want to work for something like that. Like I want to be on a team like that. Uh, You know, it really does help when you, when you come to work every day and love the people that you're um, that you're hanging out with. And the last thing is I just love this, that you're doing this. I think that uh, I think you said it right, but our industry is about people. Like we're solving, we're solving problems. It is humans interacting to solve massive complex problems. Right. And, and it helps so much when especially in this post-COVID era where we don't walk the halls as much as we used to, right? It's so cool to have, you know, profiles out there of, of people that are that are contributing to our space, right? I think it's super cool and I will be uh, stalking your podcast for, for the, next, <laughs> the next one. So so thank you. Thank you guys. This is uh this is a fun one and definitely have your sales team listen to this. We like the downloads, but you know, digital wildcatters credit to those guys. They do all the editing and platforming and and do a great job with that. Um, and I know they're big fans of your organization as well. So keep up the good work. I'll see you guys at NAPE and definitely have a little party with you guys in Vegas. Love it. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend.